So that's what I've been doing. But today, I'm here with you. And, and we are running with the giants. And I, I'm so excited for this. So let's read our theme verse together. It's Hebrews 12.1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And these witnesses, this great cloud of witnesses, they're the people of faith that we find in Scripture. And there are friends and loved ones who've died and gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, right now, they are watching from heaven as we live out our lives. Nothing you do goes unnoticed. Nothing. Therefore, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We each have a unique race to run and I can't run your race for you and you can't run my race for me. But as we run our race, we have got to, we, we got to set off the things that hinder me. I've got to avoid the sins that entangle me. Because this is not a trial heat. This is not a fun run. This is the race of a lifetime. And it matters how I run. And so the goal of this series is to provide you with some truth that you can grab onto from the giants who've run the race ahead of us. And one of those giants is Rebecca. Uh, last week, Ryland talked about Abraham. Uh, Rebecca is Abraham's daughter-in-law. And I just want to tell you, in fact, I want you to write this down in your notes uh, somewhere. It has nothing to do with the sermon, but I want you to write down, Pastor Kelly loves his daughters-in-law. Okay? <laughs> I just want to go on record as saying that. Uh, they are the sweetest gals on the, on the earth. I just I love them. But, but God had promised Abraham that he was going to be the father of a multitude. And Abraham's over 100 years old, and he has Isaac, the son of promise, but uh, Isaac's getting older, and he hasn't found a wife yet. Well, how's Abraham going to be the father of a multitude if Isaac doesn't find a wife? And so the pursuit of a wife for Isaac leads us to Rebekah. Uh, Rebecca is going to come out of the stands today. She's going to run a lap of the race with us. She's going to come alongside of us and offer us a word of encouragement. And the word of encouragement that Rebecca has for us, I believe, is the same word of encouragement that our loved ones would have for us. I believe that, that they would say, man, now that I'm here, now that I have a heavenly perspective, an eternal perspective, now that I can see what life is all about, they would say as a word of encouragement to us that when people ask for help, give generously to others. Give generously to others. Invest your life with an eternal perspective. And not just your money, but your time, your attention, your hugs, your encouraging words. Every day you want to, to intentionally be generous. Because Rebecca would tell us about the impact that her generosity had on us today. Rebecca's act of generosity changed history. And so let me set the story up for you here. Abraham's getting older. His son Isaac is getting older. Abraham's going to be the father of a multitude. Isaac's got to get a wife. And in that day and culture, it was the parents' responsibility to pick out a spouse for their kids. 
And so, uh, not necessarily a bad plan, okay? Um, but uh, Abraham uh, enlists his chief servant uh, to go to the area where Abraham wants to find a wife. And uh, he's supposed to go there and pick out one for, for Isaac. And so Abraham loads up 10 camels with tons of goods, including jewelry, because he's looking for a woman. Okay? Yeah. And he said, you were a little slow on that one. I'm worried about you folks. You guys are in trouble, okay? So he sends him off to go find a suitable wife uh, for Isaac. And so this servant, he's not only got to satisfy Abraham, he's got to satisfy Isaac. He he not only has to find a woman who has the character qualities that Abraham's looking for, but he's also got to find one who has the charm and beauty uh, that Isaac is looking for. So what does this servant do in order to pull this amazing feat off? Rockbrook, we know what he does. He prays first. That's what he does. He prays first. Then he prayed, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, give me success today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a girl, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. And she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Huge prayer on the part of this servant. I mean, he understands the magnitude of the assignment that he's been given. He knows Isaac's the child of promise for Abraham. He knows that if Abraham's going to be the father of multitudes, it hinges on him picking the right woman for Isaac. This is a big, big deal. And so he prays a big, big prayer. He says, God, when, when, these, when these women come out to, to get water from the spring, I'm going to say to one of them, I'm going to ask them for a drink. And when they say, yeah, you can have a drink, and I'll water your camels too, then she's going to be the one that I'm going to take back to Isaac. And I love, look at this. It says, before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. Now, this is, this is probably a two, maybe even a five-gallon clay jar. I mean, she's getting the water for her family for the day. So this, this, is, a, this is a big jar. And the servant says, can I have a drink? And Rebecca, lo and behold, says, sure, and I'll water your camels too. Offering to water these camels is a significant act of generosity on Rebecca's part. Let, let me explain this to you, why this is a big deal. Because there were 10 camels, and each camel could drink up to 50 gallons of water. Now, let's just make this a little more conservative here. Let's say that Rebecca's not going to try and top them all off. She's just going to try and give them all a drink, okay? (laughs) And so let's say that she's going to give each camel 20 gallons of water. So some basic math here. We got 10 camels at 20 gallons each. That's 200 gallons of water. And 200 gallons of water, let's say she's got a five-gallon jar. That's 40 trips, 40 trips from the spring to each one of these camels. And let's say it takes three minutes to go to the spring, dip the thing in there, carry it over to where the camels are, dump it out, tape it up, come back, do it, do it again. Uh, you know, a minimum, it's going to be a two-hour commitment that she's just given to this stranger. That's the minimum. If she gave each camel 50 
gallons of water, it would take over seven hours. I mean, it would be a whole day job to do that. I mean, Rebecca went beyond, can I have a drink, to watering camels for a stranger for a good portion of her day. And, you know, I think her attitude stands in stark contrast to the era that you and I live in. I mean, our era, the attitude is, what's the least I can do? In fact, in our day, people want something for doing nothing. And I think Rebecca would step out of the stands and she would say to our generation, you got this all wrong. You got this wrong. You need to do what Jesus taught us. You know, if if somebody asks you for your coat, give them your cloak too. If somebody asks you to go one mile, don't go one mile, go two. Go the extra mile. You need to do more than what you're asked. And why would Rebecca say that? Just so that we would be kind? I mean, I want you to know that this is so much bigger than that. Because a miraculous work of God took place in this story. Rebecca's act of generosity changed history. You know, when Rebecca started watering the camels, the servant knew that this is, this is the one. This is the wife of Isaac, the bride of Isaac, the woman that God is going to use to fulfill the promise to Abraham that it will be a nation of multitudes. And so he starts unloading the camels and bringing out the stuff, bringing out the jewelry. And when Rebecca saw the jewelry, she said yes. Yeah. She hasn't even seen Isaac. Okay? She said yes. But the jewelry came out after, after the act of generosity. And Rebecca becomes the wife of Isaac, the mother of Jacob and Esau, and more importantly, Rebecca becomes part of the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Just because she was asked for a drink and she went above and beyond and gave of herself in a generous manner. And I'm convinced that Rebecca would come to us and say, give generously to others. I'm convinced that every one of the witnesses, even our loved ones, would come out of the stands and would say, you have no idea how short this life is. You have no idea how temporary everything you own here is. You have no idea what an impact you can make for eternity. Everything you do has an impact. Everything you say has an impact. Jesus Christ said that every word you say will be judged one day. Jesus said every deed that you do will be judged one day. So let's take a look at the Rebecca principle. What would she say to us? Well, number one, she'd say you can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. Can't be generous and legalistic. In other words, you can't keep score. You can't keep track. It's not a give to get. It's not a tit for tat mentality. This wealth and prosperity mentality dishonors Jesus because it's it's built on a half truth. Because yes, God wants to bless you, but God wants to bless you so you'll be a blessing. The whole point of blessing you is so that you will bless other people and that you will do it willingly. Write that word down in your outline just somewhere. Write down willingly. Willingly give to God and others. Because I want you to understand this. This generosity, this tithing. It it can't be, oh my goodness, I've got to do this or I'm going to be cursed. No, Jesus doesn't curse you. Listen, we're already under a curse. If you don't believe that, watch the news. Jesus, Jesus doesn't curse us. Jesus is trying to get us out from under the curse. Jesus is trying to bless us. And so it's not, oh man, i got to take some of my hard-earned money and put it in that offering bag today. No, it's willingly. 
In 20 years, this church has never done a fundraising campaign. We've never put a thermometer up on the wall. We've never had pledge cards for you to sign. We've never had you commit to giving a certain amount. We just lay out for you the principle of tithing, the principle of generous giving, and then we let God work in your heart. Because we don't want it to be a spirit of coercion. We want it to be a willing spirit of giving. And we want you to give because, just because you love God and you love this church and you want to invest in eternity. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9 it says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Not a grumpy giver, a cheerful giver. Write the word cheerful down next to the word willingly. It's not on your notes, I apologize for that, but on the screen is the next verse after this one. It says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know, we don't give to get, but it moves the heart of God when you give. It, God responds to a willing, cheerful giver. He sees a generous heart, he just responds to it. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And that's where I want to live. I want to abound in my marriage. I want to abound with my kids. I want to abound in my work. I want to abound in my attitude. I, I want God to just pour his grace out on me. And God has promised that he will. Promised it right here in this verse. If I will do what he says to do in the previous verse, which is give cheerfully. Second bit of advice. Rebecca would say, you can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first. You know, our culture says that you should be able to have everything now. Buy it now, get it now, do it now, have it now. And we can apply that to the concept of generosity. You can see someone who's generous and think, well, yeah, if I had what that guy has, I'd be generous too. You know, I'll give more when I've got more. That's not the way it works. You just start with what you have. Because the reality is, you're never going to have that if you don't give out of this. You've got to start with what you have. Rebecca didn't have any money. She didn't have any jewelry. All she had was a jar and big biceps. <laughs> and she just gave out of what she had. And here's how Jesus said it in Luke 16. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Jesus says it starts with the little. You give out of the little and then he'll give you much. But if you won't give out of the little, guess what? You won't give out of the much either because you're not a generous person. And so, you know, you've got to learn how, how to handle your money, how to handle your life, how you handle your time, how to handle your smile, how to handle your hugs. It's a sowing and reaping principle that Rebecca figured out. I don't think she knew that she would be the ancestor of Jesus Christ. She just figured out that if she was generous, God blessed her for it. Third one. Uh, you can't take it with you. But you can send it on ahead. Uh, Rick Warren says you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Because you can't take it with you. There was a miser, loved his money, and he was on his deathbed, and he said to his wife, he says, I love my money so much, I want to take it with me. 
And so when I die, I want you to put my money with me uh, in the casket, and I want to be buried with my money. And so sure enough, the day of the funeral, they're getting ready to close the casket, and the, the widow says, wait, 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 and she comes up, she's got this big briefcase, and she places it in the coffin with him, and they close the coffin, take him off to the graveyard, and they bury him with the briefcase. And a friend of hers says, you know, I just think it's really admirable that you honored your husband's request to be buried with his money, but... She says, I, I just can't believe that you, you just you know, put all that money in that casket and buried it with him. And the widow said, well, actually, I wrote him a check. <laughs> Feel free to tell that one, just don't tell them where you heard it, okay? <laughs> Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus has given us the greatest insider tip in the history of the world. He says, listen, it's okay to have stuff. God, God thinks it's okay for you to have stuff. You just need to remember that someday that stuff is going to be worth nothing. And you need to remember that you need to make an investment in eternity. Because someday, that will be worth a whole lot more. Did Rebecca understand that? I mean, little did she know that a few hours watering a stranger's camels would make her the ancestor of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Lord of the universe. I mean, we've got to understand the principle that everything we do impacts eternity. Everything we do impacts eternity that's why Jesus said it will all be judged every thought every word every deed will be judged and you need to understand that the fact that you're a Christian does not mean that you will escape judgment because in fact there is a judgment seat just for believers and you're trusting in, in Christ doesn't mean you'll escape judgment it means you'll escape condemnation and punishment but you will be judged for everything you think, everything you say, everything you do. And it will determine your rewards. That's how you send it on ahead. Everything you do matters. Next, Rebecca would say, you can't wait for the feeling. Feelings will follow. You can't live life according to your feelings. And you can apply this to any area of your life. Your feelings, you, you don't live life by pressure, you live life by principle. You can't wait for the feeling to be generous. You can't wait for the feeling to serve. Oh, pastor, I don't feel led to give. I don't feel led to serve. I don't feel led. Well, you feel led all right. It's led in the seat of your pants. And God tells you, you need to get the lead out and get busy can't wait for the feeling the feeling uh, Rebecca didn't wake up and say I feel like water in 10 camels today no she understood the principle of doing something first and then the feeling follows people get this verse backwards Jesus said it in Matthew 6 pastors must quote this all the time it says for where your treasure is there your heart will be also and, and people will say well where your heart is that's where your treasure will be but that isn't what it says. In fact, it says just the opposite. Jesus says, money leads, heart follows. Money leads, heart follows. You make investments in eternity before the feeling shows up. We make a decision 
to be generous. It's a decision, not a feeling. Feelings will lie to you. But decisions will stick with you forever. Some final words of encouragement here. Rachel would say even the smallest act of generosity uh, make a difference. She'd say, it was only water. It was only a few hours. But if I knew I was going to get jewelry and a husband and a family and get to be the great, 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 37 great grandmother of Jesus, I would have watered those camels for days. Okay? The smallest act of generosity matters. That generous tip you give that waitress, that hug that you give to a a friend matters. The encouraging word you speak into a life, the the time you spend serving others, that note, that text, that email, that phone call, it matters. And I want to encourage you to intentionally do acts of generosity every day. Just be intentional about it. Make generosity a lifestyle. There's 1,200 of us that go through Rockbrook every week, and imagine if 1,200 people in our community adopted an attitude, a lifestyle of generosity. What an impact that would make. It'd change it. It'd change our community. And it could be with our money or with our words or with our time. I mean, God bless you, Dream Teamers. Those, those over 300 people who just step up every weekend around here and, and worship one service and work one. You, know, you lead our small groups, you clean our buildings, you make things happen around. You get it. You are generous, generous people. You're people who know that rocking a baby in the nursery, that cleaning a bathroom, setting up chairs, greeting at the door, checking in kids, teaching kids, uh, making coffee, helping in growth track, all of those things play a part in leading a person to Jesus Christ. All of them play a part. You can rock a baby and it'll lead somebody to Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 10, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Jesus said, I'll reward you. He promises. Second thing Rebecca would say, she'd say when you give, the impact of your generosity often outlives you. You What we do here we do on the shoulders of those who've gone before us. You know, we didn't start from scratch. Any fruit that we bear, it comes from the root of those who came before us. I I recognize this all the time. Rockbrook is 20 years old. There are churches in our community that are 100, 150 years old. I mean, we are able to do today because of what those people did then. Jesus said, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. We reap the benefits of those who've gone before us. And the work that you do today doesn't end with you. You can have, you have the opportunity to impact and affect generations to come. Your generosity has the power to outlive you. And then here's a great one to end on. I think, Rebecca, I think the whole crowd of witnesses would remind us that when you give, you give to the Lord. You give to the Lord. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for, the, for one of the least of these brothers of mine, say the last phrase with me, you did for me. You did for me. That dream team of rocking that baby in the nursery is rocking that baby for Jesus. 
people who set up these chairs. You're setting up chairs for Jesus. You open your home for a small group, you're opening your home for Jesus. I mean, what you're doing, you're doing it for the Lord. And he promises to reward you. So let's make some decisions. Let's make some decisions on how we're going to live. Let's live our lives with the mindset of eternity. Let's live our lives built on intentional generosity. Let's pray together. God, you, you are a generous God. You give and give and give and give to us. And so, God, may we become like you and just give and give and give of our time, our talent, our treasure. May we just live life with a spirit of generosity. And maybe you're here today and, and you need to respond right now to the most generous thing that God has ever done for you. God so loved you that he was generous. And his act of generosity was to send his son to take your place on the cross. Jesus Christ generously paid the penalty for your sin. And all you have to do is receive what Christ has done for you. And so I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. And right now, just in the quietness of your own heart and mind, would you just, would you just pray this prayer? Just say, thank you, God for sending your son to pay my penalty. And today, I receive it by giving you my life. Come live inside of me and, and give me that new, abundant, eternal life that you promise to people who believe in Christ. And today, I, I turn my heart to you. Change me. Make me the kind of person that you want me to be. Maybe today, you just, you just need to make that decision. I'm, I'm going to live a generous lifestyle. And God, I just, I just celebrate today the decisions that are being made. The, the most important decision that people can make is to trust in Christ. most important decision for eternity is I'm going to invest in it. And God, we thank you. We thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.